Hallelujah. Well, it's really good to be here. So honored to be here with you guys. And uh, just really honored to have Bobby as a friend. Amen. You know, if you've been here long enough, I don't have to tell you this. Bobby's the real deal. Huh? Amen. He's the real deal. And so I don't hang out with people who aren't the real deal. Amen. Uh, Bobby is who he says he is, and he does what he says he's going to do. And so I like to hang around people like that. Amen. I don't like to hang around fluffy people. I'm not talking about physically fluffy. I'm talking about people who are just full of fluff, you know. They all talk and not much action. And so Bobby's not that, amen. He's the real deal. And so I just want to just, I'm so thankful to be here. Um, I feel like I'm at home in this church. There's a kindred spirit to what God's doing here and what God's doing in our church. And I believe the Holy Ghost is on the move, don't you? <clears throat> I mean, you know, the Holy Ghost is like a wild horse. You just got to get on him and ride, amen. I want to read Isaiah 60. I believe the Lord prompted this scripture to me. Isaiah 60, verses 1 and 2 says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth and gross darkness the people, but the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will shine and be seen upon you. <clears throat> That's a great scripture. Doesn't that relate to where we live right now today? And I just want to encourage you, you know, you can get infatuated with the dark around you. You can get overwhelmed with the dark around you, or you can understand that you're the light, that the light of the Lord is risen upon you. And the only way that the darkness can affect you, Jesus said, no man takes the light and don't take your light and put it under a bushel. The only way the darkness can affect you is if we hide the light. I mean, you know, if, you, if you're shining as the light, darkness cannot affect you. You will affect the darkness. But if you put a, a, a bushel over your light, then you're not going to affect the world. But guess what? We're called for such a time as this. I think as a pastor, I believe this with all my heart, <clears throat> that this is the greatest time in history to be alive. You say, Pastor, there's all kind of stuff going on. Yeah, that's why we're here. Amen. We're here because God says when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord is going to raise a standard against him. And what is that standard? The church is that standard. Amen. And so I want to preach today on the, the, the title of my message today is Let Us. Let Us. Because I really believe a lot of times when we, we're part of a local church and I believe in the local church, but I believe that we need to understand that it's bigger than just our local church. It's about the kingdom of God. You know, if you watch, if you'll look, I'm gonna I'm gonna reference Nehemiah a lot and use some of the scriptures. You know, there were ten gates involved in building of the wall in Jerusalem during that time, and every gate had a name, and every team had a gate. Right? There were families that were responsible for the gate. And what they were doing was very important, right? But we need to begin to learn the difference between importance and significance. What was important was their job. What was significant was the wall. 
And we need to understand that even though God has put us here, and I'm so excited about what God's doing here at Move Church and what God's doing at Life Church, and there's a move of God going on all over the place. And a lot of times we like to think, you know, hey, I got dibs on the move of God. But you come to another church and you see what God's doing here. And I want us to understand that what we're doing is important, but there's a bigger picture of the kingdom of God that God wants to bring the churches together. And that's what God's doing with us, with Bobby and I. How many know that 10 years ago, you know, when I first moved here and planted a church, I came from Louisiana. And how many know if you move from Louisiana to Mississippi, that's like just one level above hell? Amen. You tell people you go going to Mississippi, they're like, did you do something bad or something? Now, I love Mississippi. My, I, my grandparents are from Mississippi on my mom's side, my dad's side. They're from Louisiana. But you know how you, we can always make fun. If you're from Mississippi, you can make fun of Louisiana. If you're from Louisiana, you can make fun of Mississippi because we're always 49 and 50 and something. Amen? And so God sent me here, and when I got here, I would try to talk to pastors, and they wouldn't even talk to me. Why are we, why do we think that it's all about what I'm doing? We're, it's gotta have, we've got to have a kingdom mentality in our church, and I think, I know Bobby's got that mentality because he's always calling pastors, and we're getting together, and listen, this is very important what's going on here. But what's more significant is what God wants to do in our state. God wants to network our churches together so that we don't just build our gate, but we build the wall. That we're not just doing something important, but we're doing something significant for the kingdom of God. Amen? We, we got to, listen, you know what the problem is? We got to get over our egos and our logos. And we got to start living for the kingdom of God. We got to start seeing the big picture that God wants Mississippi saved. And it doesn't matter what color you are. There's no such thing as a black church or a white church. It's just the church. Amen. So we're going to talk about how to be significant in the kingdom of God. <clears throat> the church, if you look throughout the Bible in in in. Jesus said in Matthew chapter uh, 16, he said, on this rock, I'm going to build my church. And he was talking about the rock that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And that word church is ecclesia, ecclesia. And let me just tell you about that word. Of course, it's, it's an authority word. It's a governmental word when a group comes together. But it's more than that. It's a, the, the word ecclesia means called forth ones. You say, called forth ones, called forth from what? Well, here's what ecclesia means. It's people that are called out of the world, called into Jesus to be sent out into the world again. We're called out to be called in to be sent out again. Amen? And so we are the ecclesia. We are the sent forth ones. Amen? So the whole point of the church, just as an eagle was born to fly, the church was birthed to go. Amen? We've relegated church to coming when Jesus commanded us to go. Amen? And so this meeting right now is just an aspect of the church. This is where you are equipped. This is where you are encouraged. 
This is where Jesus is celebrated. This is where all this happens today. This is basically like a huddle where we huddle up, we get our instructions, we call the play, we clap, and we go, we go play the game. Amen? We get out of the church and we go, we go out there and we influence the world for the kingdom of God. Amen? And so what we've got to understand is we were called by Jesus for such a time as this to go and to be difference makers. You say, Pastor, I'm just one little person. How am I going to make a difference? One person at a time. That's how you're going to make a difference. Amen? And before you know it, this whole church will be full. You know what? There shouldn't be an empty seat in this church. Amen. We say, Pastor, what am I supposed to do? Get with it. Get to going. Amen. You know, I tell my people all the time, we tend to think in America, the, the American dream is a lie. It's a lie. I'm going to live for a certain amount of time. I'm going to retire, and then I'm going to die. How many people do you know that retire, it's not much longer they die? because their purpose was in what they did. Listen to this. What you do is not who you are. That's not who God called you to be. What you're doing is a platform for the kingdom, to promote the kingdom of God. It's a platform. Don't confuse the plat your platform with your purpose. All right now. Don't shout me down. Our mission as the church is to complete the finished work that Jesus accomplished at Calvary. To be about the Father's business and to do the works that Jesus did. John 14, 12, Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he'll do but greater because I go to the Father. Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 18, Jesus said, He said unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they'll cast out devils. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So in other words, signs and wonders ought to follow believers. Amen. I'm not a cessationist. I don't believe what they don't believe. Amen. They don't believe that, that the power of God's still available to the church today. But I'm going to tell you the power of God's here. The same Holy Ghost that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that dwells in you. And so we ought to be about the Father's business. Then we need to learn the difference between busyness and business. We're very busy. As a people, I got people in my church, and I say, how's things going? They say, oh, I'm busy. I'm like, yeah, but are you productive? <laughs> Very busy. And so we get, a, we get busy. We have a we're busyness, but we're not about the Father's business. And so we've got to come out of ourselves. You know, the predicament that we're in as a nation is because the church hasn't come out the closet. We have everybody else coming out the closet, but it's time for the church to come out the closet, huh? Will the real church please stand up? We have a mandate to go 
and to do. My job as a pastor is to wake you up. My job as a, I got a prophetic anointing to wake people up. I want to wake you up. My job as a pastor is to activate the church and to mobilize the church. When I say church, I'm not talking about move church. I'm talking about the kingdom of God, the church in general. I am here to equip, to mobilize, to encourage, and to send people out. Ooh, come on, y'all need to amen better than that. My church amens me where I'm from. When they don't amen me, I got to tell them, hey, I, that's pretty good preaching right there. Amen. I encourage myself in the Lord like David did at Ziklag. Y'all remember that story? We need to think bigger. We need to move our thinking from our work to what God's doing in the kingdom. Why would Jesus say to him that has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches? You know, we're hearing everything else and everybody else, and we're not attuned to what the Spirit of God is saying to the churches. We're listening to NBC, MSNBC, CNN, all that other stuff, but where is the Spirit of God, and what's the Spirit of God saying? We say, Pastor, what do I need to do? Turn off all the other stuff you're listening to and get your ear attuned to what the Spirit of God is saying. I don't, I don't watch all that stuff anymore. You know why? They're liars. They're under, their, they're under a, you know, the Bible says they're under a spirit of strong delusion. They're delusional. That's a demon, by the way. Amen? And so don't put yourself under the influence of demons. What we're seeing, what our nation is going through right now is because we have allowed ourselves because we rejected the truth. The Bible says because they rejected the truth, God turned them over to strong delusion. And so we've been turned over. Our leadership is turned over. Have you ever really watched them? Everything they say is an untruth. That's why, we, because we living in the truth, we're like, what's going on here? This is crazy. But the world itself is under strong delusion. When you put yourself under the influence of that, you come under the influence. Hello. I'm here to equip the church. I'm here... I know Brother Bobby's doing a good job, and that's why he's here. But I'm not, I'm not saying I'm here for this church. But I understand my calling. When I wake up in the morning, I'm like, this is my time. I sense it. I sense this is it. And so I don't want to waste one minute of the time that God gave for me, gave me to do. Can I just help you a little bit? You know the best way you can steward your time? is learning how to have a spirit of prayer on your life. You know, an anointing on someone, number one, is given as a gift by the Lord, but it's enlarged through stewardship. The greatest way you can steward anything God's put under your control or under your hand is learn how to pray. If you're not praying right, you ain't stewarding right. 
I tell you what I do. I get up every morning. By the grace of God, I'm not tooting my horn. But I have to now. You know what I've learned? Prayer begets prayer. When you begin to pray and things begin to happen, God, what happens is God puts more things under your stewardship. And as he puts things under your stewardship, you got to pray more. Because it's bigger than your ability to handle. And if you don't pray, you can't handle it. And if you can't handle it, God will get somebody else to handle it. Amen? God's going to see if you're ready or not. And so what I've learned is what I have that God's put under my, my stewardship is my responsibility to pray. And if I'll pray it, God will grow it. God will bless it. God will anoint it. But if you ain't praying, you ain't growing, and God ain't going to bless it. Amen? And so I get up every morning by the grace of God, and I have an hour, hour and a half, going on two hours now, where I got to pray. I pray for everybody in my church. I pray for every leader in my church. I pray for my presbytery. I pray for Bobby and Patty. I pray for my pastor friends. Because the Lord said, it is, it is important for a man who's been given a trust to be found faithful. God has entrusted us with certain things. And you say, a lot of times, I have people, I mean, you know what? This generation coming up, I'm trying to disciple them. Y'all pray for me. <laughs> you know, I... I I wish the Lord would give me an anointing to choke people out. <laughs> the spirit of slap on somebody. <laughs> you know, because we had these young people today, all they want, not all of them, but they tend to want a platform instead of learning how to be faithful in the little thing. You know, Jesus said this. He said in Matthew chapter 25 of the parable of the talents, he said, because you were faithful in the little, I'm going to make you rule over much. Amen. And so here's the principle behind that. You ready? It's not what you have that matters. It's what you do with what you have. And if you'll learn to be faithful in the little, God will entrust you with much. Amen. It's not... Listen, anytime something grows and a pastor is, quote, successful. Now, all growth is not because of an anointing. You don't believe it? Look at some of these mega pastors when they're confronted with truth and have the, have, have the chance to stand up for the word of God, and they flub it every time. You know what the Lord told me? I was praying about this because you know what? As a pastor, you can get really aggravated with church growth. You know what the Lord, I was praying, the Lord said, cancer's a growth. <laughs> and you grow it with sugar. And so just because something's growing doesn't mean it's healthy. Think about that. Amen. Don't let me preach this other message I got in. 
So how can we as the church make a significant impact on our culture? How can we make a significant impact? I'm going to tell you what we got to do. Number one, we got to quit bowing. This is not in my notes. I'm going to give you four things. But we got to quit bowing to the darkness. We got to quit, number two, we got to quit depending on man made systems like the political system. Now, we need good leaders, righteous leaders in government. Don't get me wrong. But we can't look to that as the answer. Why do you think we're here? You know what God's doing? God is positioning his church for maximum influence and maximum impact. If we will just get out there and be salt and light. Amen. Listen, you're not just saved to be a saint. You're saved to be a soldier. And so we've got to see that as a responsibility that I'm here and called for such a time as this to be a difference maker, to be a world changer, to be wherever I go, something different's going to happen. This is what I believe. I believe when I walk into a place, the atmosphere changes. And when I leave a place, it's going to be better than when I got there. You say, Pastor, that sounds proud. Well, why don't you think that way? God's placed the, the power of God in us. And not just me. If the church would begin to understand that we are called for such a time as this. Jesus didn't tell the political system that they're the salt of the earth. He said, you are the salt of the earth. Four things we need to do to significantly impact our culture. Number one, we got to assess the situation we've gotten ourselves in. Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, it says, Hananiah, one of my brethren, came to me from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity concerning Jerusalem. And he said to me, the survivors who are left from captivity are in great distress and reproach. The wall is broken down. The gates are burned with fire. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept, and I mourned for days, and I went to fast and pray before the Lord of heaven. You see, when you really look at what's going on in our world, you'll have a burden for America. Really assess the situation. Quit being so busy and so caught up in everything. But you know where the church has, is not salt and light? It's because we look like the world, we smell like the world, we talk like the world, we're just like the world. How can we make a difference when we're like that? We're not holy. Holiness is not a, a good word now. But I'm going to tell you, God says, be holy as I'm holy. You know, Jesus said in John, he said this, he said, the enemy comes, but he ain't got nothing on me. Let me ask you this. Can you say that about your life? I know the enemy's coming, but he ain't got nothing on me. You got to be in a place where you're sanctified before the Lord, where if the enemy does come, he is in trouble. See, we got to be in assess. We got to learn to assess the situation we're in. We are in dire straits as a nation. We and 
Listen, I know what some are saying. Well, it's going to be all right, Pastor. No, it's not going to be all right unless we stand up and begin to do something. Amen? Matter of fact, the Bible says it's going to get worse and worse. But what a great time to be alive. Amen. This is not a time to shrink back. It's not a time to worry. It's not a time to live in fear. It's a time to rise up. Amen. And be account and be accounted for. Say, Lord, here I am. Send me. Matter of fact, you are sent. We are sent. We're the sent forth ones. So you got to assess the situation. In order for me to properly assess a situation, I've got to detach myself from that situation and spend time evaluating instead of being caught up in it. You see, what I do, I've got to do this to my life all the time, is I've got to step back from all the stuff that I do and say, okay, now, hold up. How am I doing? What do I need to do to get better? I need to check my motives. Why am I doing what I'm doing? You know what the Lord told me when I was pastoring? I'm still pastoring. I hadn't quit. He told me this. When he sent me to Mississippi, you know what he said? He said, I'm not sending you there because I love you. He said, I'm sending you there because I love them. You know, at some point in your walk with the Lord, you know what you're going to figure out? This ain't about me. The second thing he, he taught me is that people, he said, people are not a means to your end. People are your purpose. And so what we've got to do is understand this, li this life that we have is not a movie that we're the stars in, that everything revolves around us. So we've got to detach from everything we're involved in and begin to properly assess the situation. Like the sons of Issachar, they were men of understanding who who understood the times and knew what Israel was to do. There's a supernatural Issachar anointing on people who will step out and begin to be aware of what God wants the church to do. Assess the situation. Brother, I don't know if we're going to make it to 11. That's a joke, Bobby. I know pastors don't like it. When pastors do that, they start doing stuff like that. <laughs> you know, here's the deal. G uh, uh, in the Old Testament, in Nehemiah 4, it says, not Nehemiah, Haggai 4, it says, my people are destroyed because of lack of knowledge. We know the Bible. We know what the Word says, a lot of us. We, we know how to quote our scriptures, and, but we don't know nothing going on in the world. We don't know what Black Lives Matter stands for. We don't know what, 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 what socialism is. We don't know the plan of the enemy. The Bible says that we're not ignorant of the devil's devices. But guess what? Sometimes we are. So we got to not only know what we know as far as the word of God is, but know what's going on in our world. We need to know current events. We need to know... So why do we need to know that? So we can know how to strategize against the enemy. You know, ignorance, I tell this in my church all the time, ignorance is an excuse only once. 
Because once you're ignorant, you're ignorant and you find out the truth, you're not operating in ignorance any longer. You're in the realm of stupidity. Is that not true? Or if you continue in stupidity, you know what they call that? Insanity. Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Amen? And so we not only need to know what we need to know, but we need to know what the enemy is and what the enemy's plan is. You know that, that word know where it says the sons of Issachar understood the times to know what Israel ought to do is the word yada, Hebrew word yada, Y-A-D-A, not Yoda, yada. And it's this, it's an understanding beyond book knowledge. It's revelation. How many know revelation is greater than education? Because you're limited in what you can know in the physical realm but you're unlimited in what the Spirit of God can teach you. We need to live by, Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So God is speaking if we're listening. My son used to tell me all the time, my oldest son, I can't hear God. And I say, well, ain't because he ain't talking. If I got a problem not hearing God, it's I hadn't lined myself up to hear. It's not that God's not speaking. It could be that I'm not seeking. So we've got to be a good assessor of the situation. Number two, we've got to learn how to pray specifically and strategically. Have you ever really thought about what Jesus said in Mark 11? where he told his disciples, have faith in God. If you say to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and do not doubt in your heart, but believe that what you say will come to pass, you'll have whatever you say. What is Jesus saying there? Number one, you got to learn to identify the mountain. Number two, you got to learn how to speak to that mountain. We are good at generalized prayers. We're not good at specifically praying. Lord, bless my house. Bless the world. But when you get down to it, Jesus said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, rulers of darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places, those are specific entities with, with specific names that the Spirit of God will reveal to you that you can learn how to pray against things specifically. Specifically. So after Nehemiah assessed the situation, he said, I prayed to the Lord God of heaven. And I said, O oh, great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments, please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open. So he assessed the situations. Then he prayed according to what he saw. Please let your ear be attentive, your eyes open, that you may hear the prayer of your servant 
that I pray before you now day and night for the children of Israel and you can and confess the sins of the children of Israel which we have sinned against you both my father's house and have, have sinned we have acted corruptly against you have not kept the commandments the statutes nor ordinance you commanded your servant so he took ownership he assessed the situation then he took ownership and he said this we are in this situation because we haven't obeyed you We like to point our fingers at everybody else for why things are the way they are. The blame generation. I have a young man I was trying to disciple, and I would confront him on things. And he would say, well, this person did did this. And and I was like, brother, you know what the Lord told me to do? Release him. I said, okay. I did. And the Lord said, you realize what you just did? I said, yes. When you release someone, the Bible says, he that stiffens his neck after many rebukes will have sudden destruction. And by the way, Israel got themselves in the situation because of reaping of the law of reaping and sowing. You know what I've realized as a pastor? You cannot stop the, gener- the, the universal law of reaping and sowing off of anyone's life. And you know what? So what are you saying, Pastor? If you're in a situation, you got there because of you. I got one minute and 40 seconds. I'm going to do it. <clears throat> and so he took ownership then, then I'm reminded again of 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will give their, forgive their sin and heal their land. God is waiting on his people to begin to take ownership for what's going on in this world. So we've got to say We've got we've to we've pray, pray strategically. Number three, we've got to take care of what God has called us to do personally. You've got to man your gate. You know what? <clears throat> One of the greatest, let me, I can say this, Bobby, because I don't pastor here. This is going to help you, I promise you. One of the greatest things a pastor hates to ask is where is so-and-so? You know the first time that question was ever asked? In the garden. When Adam wasn't where he was supposed to be. And people come up to me as a pastor and say, Pastor, where's so-and-so? I don't know. And so you got to man your gate. What does that mean, Pastor? Well, when it comes to local church, there are certain things that we are depending on you to handle your business. And if you're not there, you know what the church needs? It needs to be functional. When you're not at your gate, it becomes dysfunctional. 
We were created to function. But if you're not functioning at the capacity God called you to, then not only are you affecting you, you are affecting the wall. We are now dysfunctional. And so we've got to run around trying to find people to replace. You know, as a pastor, all I want to worry about on Sunday is preaching. I don't need to worry about all this other stuff. Hey, pastor, where's the coffee? You know what I tell them? Go ask Tanya. She knows. <laughs> I want to focus. What, that, the disciples had to do that when the widows wouldn't get in there what they were supposed to in Acts. They said, listen, we got to give ourselves to the word and prayer. So don't bother your pastor on Sunday. Amen. I can say that. You know what? He wants to say that, but I'm going to say it for him. Amen. <laughs> Got quickened on that one, bro. <laughs> Take care of your gate. There were 10 gates, and everyone had a responsibility. And you need to understand that, yes, it's going to be a battle because you are doing something for the kingdom of God. And on Sunday when you get up and you, you, you have to go to children's church or you have to do greeting, the devil's going to fight you tooth and nail because he hates you to be responsible for souls. It's not that you have to go greet. It's a bigger picture. Get a kingdom mentality. It's not about your gate. It's about the wall. It's about what God's doing in the kingdom. It's about the souls that are going to come in that door that need to see your smiling face. And by the way, brush your teeth. Please brush your teeth. If you're going to smile, and listen, let me help you a little bit. I'm going to tell them what you want to tell them, Bob. Personal space. Give people some personal space. Don't get up in their face like that. Amen. So take care of your business. Take care of what you're supposed, supposed to do. Honor the Lord. But listen, you know what honor is? Honor is showing up on time doing what's required of you, and then finishing the work and going home. Showing up on time. That's a pet peeve of mine. Tanya and I had a little argument this morning because I told her to be at church at 8.15. And you were, but we didn't leave at 8.15. And so we had a little tussle on the way over here. You think you're, you, y'all think y'all are the only ones that fight on the way to church. <laughs> but we made up. You know, the good part about fighting is that we make, you can make up. Amen. There's so many times I tell the Lord, that woman you gave me. <laughs> so listen, you are building, but you're battling. You're a saint, but you're a soldier. Uh, there's nothing I've ever done in starting a church that was easy. So you know what I had to do? I had to change my mentality. We think, now that I'm doing the work of the Lord, everything's going to be so good. So once I figured this thing out, that it's a fight, guess what? I became a fighter. 
you got to change your mentality. If you don't, you are in a war, by the way. Whether you like it or not, you can either fight or just be a dartboard for the devil all your life. What do you want to do? So I can tell you on a Sunday when you have a responsibility and you have a work to do, you're going to have to fight through some things. Amen? Because it's not about you. Can I just say this real quick? Don't get caught up in the petty. Well, did you see what so-and-so wore today? Sanballat and Tobias came to Nehemiah and said, listen, we got, you to, we got all this stuff against you. Why don't you come on down off the wall? And his response was, this is a great work, and I cannot come down. The minute you begin to be petty is the minute you begin to pull yourself off the wall. I believe I have a word of the Lord for someone. You need to let go of your offense. Quit milking your offense. Get over it and get over yourself. Too many times I start watching, you know, when you when you have something... We're doing a series on free indeed on how to get free from bondages and hang-ups and hangovers when the enemy comes in. You know, a, a Christian can be bound by a devil. He can't be possessed by a devil, but you can be bound by a devil. You can give the devil access. And so as we started this series, I began to see little things happen in the church. I'm like, okay, devil. By the way, can I just tell you something? A good pastor knows everything going on in the church. But he doesn't address it all. The Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. I saw something the other day. I said this the other day. I said, yeah, I saw it, but I chose to overlook it. Some things don't need to be addressed. Amen. But listen, I believe it's the word of the Lord. There's nothing that God's called us to that the enemy won't resist. Don't, don't allow him to get you to be a part of that. Quit milking offenses. Quit take it. Quit being petty. It doesn't matter how loud the music is. That's not the point. The minute you begin to say, well, you know what? I don't like how the music, who asked you? I'm not trying to be ugly. I just want you to know that it's not about you. We're not doing, listen, I'm glad y'all love the church and just come, you got comfortable chairs and there's an air conditioner here. But the reason we're doing this, we want you to be a part, but there's people out there we want in here. And the minute I begin to get upside down over things or my attitude begins to get a little squirrely, then it's a, it's a hindrance to what the Spirit of God wants to do. And it doesn't matter about your gifting. I've learned this. I heard Brother Larry say this. Brother Roy say this. You come in with, they, they, wanna, they come in looking for a position. He says, well, you just pick up the end of that table right there and carry it over here. 
The question is, it doesn't matter if you're gifted if you're not willing to be a servant. You got to work your way up into something. Amen? And some of y'all that are serving, I salute you. Thank you for your faithfulness. I am more impressed with a faithful person than a gifted person. Because your gift will get you in trouble. But your faithfulness never will. You hear what I'm telling you? Your faithfulness will never get you in trouble because God honors faithfulness. Your gift, listen, your gift is great, but your character is greater. If you can't sustain a gift with, with, with good character, your gift will implode. Number four, God has positioned us for maximum impact and maximum influence. It's our time, and we need to own it. We don't have time. How many of y'all remember the, the movie Predator? What a man movie right there, bro. You remember that? Arnold, Jesse the Body Ventura. And they were in the firefight with the, uh, the Predator. You remember that? And Jesse the body got hit, and his buddy goes, hey, you're bleeding. He said, I ain't got time to bleed. All those little superficial wounds you got don't matter. Because this is our time. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Come on. Hallelujah. Come on, y'all get something out of the message today. Hallelujah. How many of y'all are ready to say, Pastor, I feel it. I sense what you're saying. This is my time. You know what? And you may have some things. God may have, the Holy Spirit may have dealt with you about some little things, maybe some petty things that you said or did. You can repent today. You can repent before the Lord. And I'm not going to call you out or call you up, but you know if God's dealing with you. So I got two parts to this. Number one, let us. Let's unify like we've never unified before. Let's quit making it about us and make it about them. Amen? And then number two, quit all the pettiness. We ain't got time to bleed. Amen? Come on, lift your hands before the Lord with me today. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the word of the Lord today. Spirit of God, we thank you for moving in this place, moving on the hearts of your people. Lord, right now, we commit that we're going to unify like we've never unified before because this is our time to shine, that when gross darkness covers the land, great light springs forth. And we are part of that. And Lord, we sense the destiny of the Holy Spirit here today. Lord God, we repent for pettiness and we lock in to purpose. We repent of pettiness and we lock in to purpose right now in the name of Jesus. Let me pray over you right now and bless you. Father, in Jesus' name, I speak a blessing over your people. speak a blessing over Pastor Bobby and Sister Patty 
over everyone in leadership in this place, over everyone who belongs to this place. Lord, I say bless them that everything they put their hand to do is going to prosper. Lord God, as their soul prospers. Lord, I pray that when they leave this place, Lord, the devil's in trouble. And Lord, I just thank you, Lord God, that together, Light Church, Move Church, and other churches in the area are going to come together and do something significant for this time for Mississippi. Lord, we pray for our state right now. God, we say revival come to this place. In Jesus' name, amen.